Hi, I'm Masood Mubahidi, and you're listening to Masood Mubahidi Yoga. Awareness and attention. Between awareness and attention, there is difference. When you pay attention to anything, it is exclusive. You have to withdraw your attention from everywhere else. So it is attention. That is why it is called attention. You pay attention to one thing at the cost of everything else. If you pay attention to your breathing, you cannot pay attention to your walking or to your driving. Do not try it while you are driving because you cannot pay attention to both. Attention means one thing exclusively. Awareness is a very different thing. It is not exclusive. It is not paying attention. It is being attentive. It's just being conscious. You are conscious when you are inclusively conscious. Your breathing is in your consciousness. You are walking and someone is passing and you are also conscious of him. Someone is making noise on the road. Some train passes by. Some airplane flies by. Everything is included. Awareness is inclusive. Attention, exclusive. But in the beginning, it will be attention. So first try in selected periods. For one hour, just be attentive to your breathing. Step by step, you will be able to change your attention into awareness. Then do simple things. For example, walking. Walk attentively with full awareness of walking and also of breathing. Do not create any opposition between the two actions of walking and breathing. Be a watcher of both. It is not difficult. First, start from attention and remember that you have to grow into awareness. So choose a small period. The morning is good because you are fresh. Energies are vital. Everything is rising. You are more alive in the morning. Do this. Do not make meditation at the last thing in your schedule. Make it the first. Then when you feel that now it is not an effort, when you can sit for an hour completely, immersed in breathing, aware, attentive, when you only notice that you have achieved attention of breathing without any effort, when you are relaxed and enjoying it without any forcing, then you have attained it. Then add something else, for example, walking. Remember both. Then go on adding things. After a certain period, you will be capable of being aware of your breath continuously, even in sleep. And unless you are aware even in sleep, you will not be able to know the depth. But this comes step by step. One has to be patient and one has to start rightly. Know this, because the cunning mind will always try to give you a wrong start. Then you can leave it after two or three days and say, this is hopeless. The mind will give you a wrong start. So always remember to begin rightly, because rightly begun means half done. But we start wrongly. You know very well that attention is a difficult thing. This is because you are totally asleep. So if you start being attentive to breathing while you are doing something else, you cannot do it. And you are not going to leave the task. You will leave the effort of being attentive to your breathing. So do not create unnecessary problems for yourself. In 24 hours, you can find a small corner. 40 minutes will do. But the mind will give many excuses. The mind will say, where is the time? 
there is already too much work to be done. Or the mind will say, it is not possible now, so postpone it. Sometime in future, when things are better, then you will do it. Be aware of what your mind says to you. Do not be too trusting of the mind. And we are never doubtful. We can doubt everyone, but we never doubt our own minds. Even those who talk so much of skepticism, of doubt, of reason, even they never doubt their own minds. And your mind has brought you to the state you are in. If you are in a hell, your mind has brought you in this hell. And you never doubt this guide. You can doubt any teacher, any master, but you never doubt your mind. With unflinching faith, you move with your mind as the guru. And your mind has brought you to the mess, to the misery that you are. If you are going to doubt anything, doubt first your own mind. And whenever your mind says something, think twice. With an unnecessary thing, mind is not in any danger. The moment you think of meditation, mind becomes alert. Now you are moving in a dangerous dimension. Because meditation means the death of the mind. If you move into meditation, sooner or later, your mind will have to dissolve, retire completely. The mind becomes alert, and it begins to say many things to you. Where is the time? And even if there is time, then more important things are to be done. First, postpone it. Until later. You can meditate at any time. Money is more important. Gather money first, then meditate at your leisure. How can you meditate without money? So pay attention to money, then meditate later on. Meditation can be postponed easily, you feel, because it is not concerned with your immediate survival. Bread cannot be postponed, you will die. Money cannot be postponed, it is needed for your basic necessities. Meditation can be postponed, you can survive without it. And I mean this really, you can survive without it easily. The moment you go to deep meditation, you will not survive on this earth at least. You will disappear. From the circle of this life, this will, you will disappear. Meditation is like death, so the mind becomes afraid. Meditation is like love, so the mind scares. Postpone it, it says. And you can go on postponing it infinitum. Your mind is always saying things like this. And do not think I am talking about others. I am talking particularly about you. So do not think that your mind is not playing tricks. It is very intelligent. And because you think it is your mind, you never doubt it. It is not yours. It is just a social product. It is not yours. It has been given to you. It has been forced upon you. You have been taught and conditioned in a certain way. From the very childhood, your mind has been created by others, parents, society, teachers. The past is creating your mind, influencing your mind. The dead past is forcing itself upon the living continuously. The teachers are just the agents, agents of death against the living. They go on forcing things upon your mind, but the mind is so intimate with you. The gap is so small that you become identified with it. You were forced, engaged, imprisoned in a particular condition, and the life goes on adding to this mind, and this mind becomes heavy, heavy on you. You cannot do anything.
the mind starts forcing its own way upon you. Your experiences are being added to the mind constantly. Your past is conditioning your every present moment. If I say something to you, you are not going to think about it in a fresh way, in an open way. Your old mind, your past will come in between, will begin to talk and chatter for or against. Remember, your mind is not yours. Your body is not yours. It comes from your parents. Your mind also is not yours. It also comes from your parents, who you are. The past, the conditioning, the mind is constantly molding you and destroying your present. So remember and be aware. Be skeptical and doubting about your mind. Do not trust it. If you can attain to this maturity of not trusting your mind, only then will these techniques be really simple, helpful, functioning. They will work miracles. They can work miracles. The techniques which we have talked in the past episodes and we will talk in the future episodes. These techniques, these methods, cannot be understood intellectually at all. I am trying the impossible. But then why am I trying? If they cannot be understood intellectually, then why am I trying to tell to you? They cannot be understood intellectually, but there is no other way to make you aware of certain techniques which can change your life totally. You can understand only intellect, and this is a problem. You cannot understand anything else. You cannot understand except intellect. You can understand only the intellect. And these techniques cannot be understood intellectually. So how to communicate? Either you should become capable of understanding without intellect being brought in, or some method should be found so that these techniques can be made intellectually understandable. The second is not possible, but the first one is. You will have to start intellectually, but do not clinch to it. When I say do, try doing. If something begins to happen within you, then you will be capable of throwing your intellect aside and reaching toward me directly without the intellect, without any effort, without the meditator. But start doing something. We can go on talking for years and years. Your mind can be stuffed with many things, but that is not going to help. Rather, it may harm you because you will begin to know many things. And if you know many things, you will become confused. If you not know the things, it is good. It is good to know a little and to practice it. A single technique can be helpful. Something done is always helpful. What is difficulty in doing it? Everyone thinks that they are after freedom. They like freedom. Everyone thinks that they are endeavoring for freedom in this world and in that world also. We want moksha, liberation. We want to be freed from all limitations, from all slaveries. We want to be totally free, they say. But Eric Fromm says that man is afraid of freedom. We want it. We go on saying that we want it. We go on convincing ourselves that we want it. But deep down, we are afraid of freedom. We do not want it. Why? Why this duality? Freedom creates fear, and meditation is the deepest freedom possible. You are not freed from outward limitation. You are freed from inner slavery, the very mind, the base of a slavery. 
you are freed from the whole past. The moment you have no mind, the past has disappeared. You have transcended history. Now there is no society, no religion, no scripture, no tradition, because they all have their abode in the mind. Now there is no past, no future, because past and future are part of the mind, the memory, and the imagination. Then you are here and now in the present. Now there is not going to be any future. There will be now and now and now and eternal now. Then you are freed completely. You transcend all tradition, all history, body, mind, everything. One becomes free of the fearful such a freedom then where will you be in such a freedom can you exist in such a freedom in such a vastness can you have your small i your ego can you say i am you can say i am in bondage because you can know your boundary when there is no bondage there is no boundary you become just a state nothing more absolute nothingness emptiness that creates fear so one goes on talking about meditation about how to do it and one goes on without doing it all the questions arise out of this fear feel this fear if you know it it will disappear if you do not know it it will continue are you ready to die in the spiritual sense are you ready to be not whenever anyone came to buddha he would say, this is the basic truth, that you are not. And because you are not, you cannot die. You cannot be born. And because you are not, you cannot be in suffering, in bondage. Are you ready to accept this? Buddha would ask. Are you ready to accept it? If you are not ready to accept this, then do not try meditation now. First, try to find out whether you really are or you are not. Meditate on this first. Is there any self? Is there any substance within? Or are you just a combination? If you manage to find out, you will find that your body is a combination. Something has come from your mother. Something has come from your father. And all else has come from food. This is your body. In this body, you are not. There is no self. Contemplate on the mind. Something has come from here. Something has come from there. Mind has nothing that is original. It is just accumulation. Find out if there is any self in the mind. If you move deep, you will find that your identity is just like an onion. You peel off one layer and another layer comes up. You peel off another layer and still another layer comes up. You go on peeling layers off and ultimately you come to a nothingness. With all the layers thrown off, there is nothing inside. Body and mind are like onions. When you have peeled off both body and mind, then you come to encounter a nothingness, an abyss, a bottomless void. Buddha called it Shunya. To encounter this Shunya, to encounter this void, creates fear. That fear is there. That is why we never do meditation. We talk about it, but we never do anything about it. That fear is there. You know deep down there is a void, but you cannot escape this fear. Whatsoever you do, the fear will remain unless you encounter it. That is the only way. Once you encounter your emptiness, 
once you can know within you are just like a space, shunya, then there will be no fear. Then there cannot be any fear because this shunya, this void cannot be destroyed. This void is nothing is not going to die. That which was going to die is no more. It was nothing but the layers of an onion. That is why many times in deep meditation, when one comes nearest to the nothingness, one becomes afraid and starts trembling. One feels that one is going to die. One wants to escape from this nothingness back to the world. And many go back. Then they never turn within again. Whenever you begin to do something that becomes a barrier, this and that begin to stop you in many ways. So if you are really interested in meditation, find out about your own fear of it. Be sincere about it. Are you afraid? If you are afraid, then first something has to be done about your fear, not about meditation. Buddha used to try many devices. Sometimes someone would say to him, I am afraid of trying meditation. And this is a must. The master must be told that you are afraid. You cannot deceive the master. And there is no need. It is deceiving yourself. So whenever someone would say, I am afraid of meditation, Buddha would say, you are fulfilling the first requirement. If you say yourself that you are afraid of meditation, then something becomes possible. Then something can be done because you have uncovered a deep thing. So what is the fear? Meditate on it. Go and dig out where it comes from, what the source is. All fear is basically death-oriented. Whatsoever its form, mode, whatsoever its shape, name, all fear is death-oriented. If you move deep, you will find that you are afraid of death. If someone came to Buddha and said, I am afraid of death, I have found this out. Buddha would say, then go to the burning gut, to the symmetry, and meditate on the funeral pyre. People are dying daily. They will be burned. Just remain there at the symmetry and meditate on the burning pyre. When their family members have gone, you remain there. Just look into the fire at the burning body. When everything is becoming smoke, you just look at it deeply. Do not think, just meditate on it for three months, six months, nine months. When it becomes a certainty to you that death cannot be escaped, when it becomes absolutely certain that death is the way of life, that death is implied in life, that death is going to be, that there is no way out and you are already in it, only then come to me. After meditating on death, after seeing every day, night and day, dead bodies being burned, dissolved into ashes, just the smoke remains and then disappears. After meditating for months together, a certainty will arise, a certainty that death is inevitable. It is the only certainty really. The only thing certain in life is death. Everything else is uncertain. It may be or it may not be. But you cannot say that it may be or it may not be for death. It is. It is going to be. It has already occurred. The moment you entered life, you entered death. Now nothing can be done about it. 
when death is certain, there is no fear. Fear is always with things which can be changed. If death is to be, fear disappears. If you can change, if you can do something about death, then fear will remain. If nothing can be done, if you are already in it, then it is absolutely certain that fear will disappear. When fear of death has disappeared, Buddha would allow you to meditate. He would say, now you can meditate. So you also go deep into your mind. And listening to these techniques will be helpful only when your inner barriers are broken, when inner fears disappear, and you can certain be that death is the reality. So if you die in meditation, there is no fear. Death is certain. Even if death occurs in meditation, there is no fear. Only then can you move. And then you can move at rocket speed because the barriers are not there. You are already the truth. Only a certain awakening is needed. You are not to go anywhere else. You are to go into yourself. And the going is possible this very moment. If you can put aside your mind, you enter here and now. These techniques are for putting your mind aside. These techniques are not really for meditation. They are for putting the mind aside. Once the mind is not there, you are. We continue here with our fifth technique. With the topic of Focus your attention on the third eye. Between the two eyebrows in the gland, which it stays there, it is the most mysterious part of the body. This gland, called the pineal gland, is the third eye of the Tibetan Shivanetra, the eye of the Shiva of the Tantra. Between the two eyes there exists a third eye but it is non-functioning. It is there. It can function any moment, but it is not functioning naturally. You have to do something about it to open it. It is not blind. It is simply closed. This technique is to open the third eye. Close your eyes, then focus both of your eyes just in the middle of the two eyebrows. Focus just in the middle with closed eyes, as if you are looking with your two eyes. Give total attention to it. This is one of the simplest methods of being attentive. You cannot be attentive to any other part of your body so easily. This gland absorbs attention like anything. If you give attention to it, both your eyes become hypnotized with the third eye. They become fixed. They cannot move. If you are trying to be attentive to any other part of the body, it is difficult. This third eye catches attention, forces attention. It is magnetic for attention. So all the methods all over the world have used it. It is the simplest to train you in attention. Because not only are you trying to be attentive, the gland itself helps you. It is magnetic. Your attention is brought to it forcibly. It is not intentionally. It is absorbed. It is said in the old Tantra scriptures that for the third eye attention is food. It is hungry. It has been hungry for lives and lives. 
if you pay attention to it, it becomes alive. The food is given to it. And once you know that attention is food, once you feel that your attention is magnetically drawn, attracted, pulled by the gland itself, attention is not a difficult thing then. One has only to know the right point. So just close your eyes, let your two eyes move just to the middle and feel the point. When you are near the point, suddenly your eyes will become fixed. When it becomes difficult to move them, then know you have caught the right point. If this attention is there for the first time, you will come to experience a strange phenomenon. For the first time, you will see thoughts running before you. You will become the witness. It is just like a film screen. Thoughts are running and you are a witness. Once your attention is focused at the third eye center, you become immediately the witness of thoughts. Ordinarily, you are not the witness. You are identified with thoughts. If anger is there, you become anger. If a thought moves, you are not the witness. You become one with the thought, identified, and you move with it. You become the thought. You take the form of the thought. When sex is there, you become sex. When anger is there, you become anger. When greed is there, you become greed. Any thought moving becomes identified with you. You do not have any gap between you and the thought. But focused at the third eye, suddenly you become a witness. Through the third eye, you become the witness. Through the third eye, you can see thoughts running like clouds in the sky or people moving on the street. You feel that you are surrounded by anger. A cloud of anger has come around you, but you are not the anger. And if you are not the anger, anger becomes impotent. If you cannot affect you, then you are untouched. You remain untouched. The anger will come and go, and you will remain centered in yourself. Now look at your thoughts. Now encounter your thoughts. When attention is focused at the third eye center between the two eyebrows, two things happen. One is suddenly you become a witness. This can happen in two ways. You become a witness and you will be centered at the third eye. Try to be a witness. Whatsoever is happening, try to be a witness. You are ill. The body is aching and painful. You have misery and suffering. Whatsoever, be a witness to it. Whatsoever is happening, do not identify yourself with it. Be a witness, an observer. Then if witnessing becomes possible, you will be focused in the third eye. And the second thing will be that now you can feel the subtle, delicate vibration of breathing. Now you can feel the form of breathing, the very essence of breathing. First, try to understand what is meant by the form, by the essence of breathing. While you are breathing, you are not only breathing air. Science says you are breathing only air, just oxygen, hydrogen, and other gases in their combined form of air. They say you are breathing air, but Tantra says that air is just the vehicle, not the real thing. You are breathing prana, vitality. Air is just the medium. Prana is the content. You are breathing prana, not only air. 
modern science is still not able to find out whether there is something like prana, but some researchers have felt something mysterious. Breathing is not simply air. It has been felt by many modern researchers also. Air is the material thing. The container is material, but something subtle, non-material, is moving through it. The effects of it can be felt. When you are with a very vital person, you will feel a certain vitality arising in you. If you are with a very sick person, you will feel sucked. And if someone has been taken or something has been taken out of you, when you go to the hospital, why do you feel so tired? You are being sucked from everywhere. The whole hospital atmosphere is ill and everyone there needs more prana. If you are there, suddenly your prana begins to flow out of you. Why do you feel suffocated sometimes when you are in a crowd? Because your prana is being sucked. While you are alone under the sky in the morning under trees, suddenly you feel a vitality in you, the prana. Each person needs a particular space. If that space is not given, your prana is sucked. You may have heard or you may have even seen someone going to samadhi, cosmic consciousness, underground samadhi, for days together, with no air penetrating. One man went into such an underground samadhi in Egypt in 1880 for 40 years. Those who had buried him all died because the because he was to come out of his samadhi in 1920, 40 years afterwards. In 1920, no one believed that they would find him alive, but he was found alive. He lived afterwards for 10 years more. He had become completely pale, but he was alive, and there had been no possibility of air reaching to him. He was asked by medical doctors and others, what is the secret of it? He said, we don't know. We only know this, that prana can enter and flow anywhere. Air cannot penetrate, but prana can penetrate. Once you know that you can suck prana directly without the container, then you can go into samadhi for centuries even. By being focused in the third eye, suddenly you can observe the very essence of breath, not breath, but the very essence of breath, prana. And if you can observe the essence of breath, prana, you are at the point from where the jump, the breakthrough happens. And when you come to feel the essence of breathing, prana, just imagine that your head is filled with it. Just imagine. No need for any effort. I will explain to you how imagination works when you are focused at the third eye center. Imagine. And the thing happens then and there. Now your imagination is just impotent. You go on imagining and nothing happens. But sometimes, unknowingly, in ordinary life, also these ha things happen. You are imagining about your friend and suddenly there is a knock on the door. You say it is a coincidence that the friend has come. Sometimes your imagination works just like coincidence. But whenever this happens now, try and remember and analyze the whole thing. Whenever it happens, 
that you feel your imagination has become actual. Go inside and observe. Somewhere your attention must have been near the third eye. Whenever this coincidence happens, it is not a coincidence. It looks that way because you do not know the secret science. Your mind must have moved unknowingly near the third eye center. If your attention is in the third eye, just imagination is enough to create any phenomenon. Now imagine that this essence is filling your whole head, particularly the top of the head, the Sahasrar, the highest psychic center. And the moment you imagine, it will be filled. This prana essence is showering from the top of your head as light, and it will begin to shower. And under the shower of light, you will be refreshed, reborn, completely new. That is what inner rebirth means. So two things. First, focus at the third eye. Your imagination becomes potent, powerful. That is why so much insistence has been given on purity. Before doing these practices, be pure. Purity is not a moral concept for Tantra. Purity is significant because if you are focused at the third eye and your mind is impure, your imagination can become dangerous. Dangerous to you, dangerous to others. If you are thinking to murder someone, if this idea is in the mind, just imagining may kill the man. That is why there is so much insistence on being pure first. In the third eye, imagination and actualization are not two things. Imagination is the fact. Imagine and it is so. There is no gap between dream and reality. Dream and it will become real. That is why Shankara had said that this world is nothing but the dream of the divine. This is because the divine is centered in the third eye, always, eternally. So whatsoever the divine dreams becomes real. If you are also centered in the third eye, whatsoever you dream will become real. Sariputta came to Buddha. He meditated deeply. Then many things, many visions started coming. As it happens with anyone who goes into deep meditation. He began to see heavens, he began to see hells, he began to see angels, gods, demons, and they were actual, so real that he came running to Buddha to tell him that such and such a vision had come to him. But Buddha said, it is nothing, just dreams. But Sariputta said, they are so real, how can I say that they are dreams? When I see a flower in my vision, it is more real than any flower in the world. The fragrance is there. I can touch it. When I see you, he said to Buddha, I do not see you as real. That flower is more real than your being here just before me. So how can I differentiate between what is real and what is a dream? Buddha said, now that you are centered in the third eye, dream and reality are one. Whatsoever you are dreaming will be real, and vice versa also. For one who is centered in the third eye, dreams will become real, and the whole reality will become just a dream. Because when your dream can become real, you know there is no basic difference between dream and reality. So when Shankara says that this world 
is just Maya, a dream of the divine. It is not a theoretical proposition. It is not a philosophical statement. It is rather the inner experience of one who is focused in the third eye. When you are focused in the third eye, just imagine that the essence of prana is showering from the top of the head, just as if you are sitting under a tree and flowers are showering, or you are just under the sky and suddenly a cloud begins to shower, or you are just sitting in the morning and the sun rises and rays begin to shower. Imagine, and immediately, there is a shower, a shower of light falling down from the top of your head. This shower recreates you, gives you a new birth. You are reborn. You can listen to the whole podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Facebook, and Telegram. Follow us on this application for more subjects.